He's Henry Gomez, an ad agency strategist with 28 years of experience. And he's Howard Eibach, a former copywriter and creative director and the author of two books on the creative brief, and most recently, a wonderful memoir. Together, we're the Brief Brothers, having an ongoing discussion about creative briefs, briefing, and advertising. Well, Howard, we're back with another episode, and today, thought we'd do something different. You know, we started out this uh, podcast, and um, I work as an agency, as everybody knows who listens or watches this podcast and you do workshops and for me i like doing this podcast because you're a friend and i like talking about advertising i like talking about creative briefs but one of the things early on that i said is you know don't be shy about promoting your workshops because this is a great vehicle for that and i am gainfully employed with a steady salary and you teach workshops which means you're kind of a freelancer you're out there and and you you get you do the work when you get it right and so i think the promotion of your workshops is something we've been uh negligent in and i wanted to talk to you and ask you a few questions about your creative brief workshops but before that i wanted to ask you you and i you know you've told the story many times how you got into asking questions about the creative brief. You became very curious about it and you wrote your first book, uh, how to write an inspired creative brief. Uh, how did that turn into doing workshops? Like what was, when did that happen and how did that happen? Well, I, I appreciate the question, Henry, and the opportunity to kind of blow my own trumpet here. Um, I'm not always the best at doing that. Uh, I had a gig in Minneapolis at an agency where I was the creative director for the Ford loyalty programs of British Airways North America. In fact, you'd say that British Airways North America is their biggest chunk of business on the planet. A lot of travelers going from major hub cities in the, U in the U.S. back to London and back and forth. I wasn't on the job for more than a month when I kind of discovered that one of the the folks in the New York office, we had an office in Minneapolis, we had an office in New York, so I got to travel to New York regularly. But we got a brief from one of the account folks in New York, and I and I don't know if she realized that I also got a copy of the, well, we called it the Marcom brief from the client. So I had the Marcom brief, which was about 20 pages. You know, that's no surprise. We've heard that story many, many times. And our two or three page creative brief which was supposed to have been called down from the Marcom brief. And I discovered very quickly that this particular account person cut and pasted from the Marcom brief. Exercise those cut and paste fingers. Exactly. Apple X, and, Apple V. And I think the account person was not aware that I had both the Marcom brief and her brief and thought, I'll just get away with this. And who knows how long she'd been doing this before I started the job. I I put a stop to this and it gave me the opportunity to go to my bosses. And I had a, I had a creative director I worked for and she had the executive creative director that she reported to. I went into her office one day and they were both sitting there together. And I like to tell this story in my workshops because I started to ask the question. I said, I explained what happened. I said, would, it, would you mind if I were to take my staff through a training on how to write a brief? I didn't get the sentence out of my mouth before they stopped and said, please, we know that this is a problem. No one has volunteered 
to step up and do this. I had no idea what I was going to do, but I did create, it was a six or seven page document. It was a two hour training, but that was the impetus from there. You know, my gig did my gig lasted about three years. I've never worked any place longer than three years. And that gig uh, ended when they realized, when the folks at the British Airways realized that I had more chutzpah than they had asked for. And I used my time, you know, as a freelancer after I left that Minneapolis agency and I produced the workbook and the creative creative training that became the workshop that I do now. And I also started a blog. So within about a year, I took the best parts of the workbook for my workshop and the my best posts on the blog, wrote a couple of of connecting chapters, and voila, I had my book. So you were actually doing workshops before the book? Yes. Not many, but I would do one or two a year. You know, but while the book I was came out of the workshops and your blog posts. Oh, that's yes. interesting. So workshop first, blog second, book third. So then the book comes out, and that's how I I found the book, and that's how we met. Um, I asked you to come teach a workshop at Alma, which is the agency that I was at at the time, and you did. Uh, my boss was uh, very receptive to your book, um, and we all got a lot out of the out of the workshop. Um, but so at that time you were basically out on your own freelancing doing these workshops. Like it, it, were, there, it was just catch as catch can, like they would come in because of the book or how, how did that work? I was doing a bit of freelancing as a, as a working creative still at that time. Okay. I was probably, I think I didn't go full time into teaching the workshops until 2017. So I was freelancing in Minneapolis um, and that was the bulk of my work. And I would occasionally get workshops. Most of the time at that stage, it was for the marketing departments of major clients. I didn't do many workshops for ad agencies like I did for you. I got you. I thought you had stopped freelancing a lot earlier. I didn't, I didn't realize no. you were through t 2017. You were still uh, working as a freelancer writing yep. copy. Okay. Cause I know you're also, you, uh, I believe, teach literature or English or... Well, yeah, it's at about the point of 2012, 2013, um, I would still take on a project every now and then, but the most of my time was spent teaching college. So I was okay. doing three things. I was teaching almost full-time, doing the occasional freelance gig, and when the, when the projects uh, materialized, uh, I would do these, these trainings and and in those days, it was none of it was virtual. It was all get on a plane and go somewhere. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And so, how did you get hooked up with the ANA? When and and how did that come about? I had one of those moments where I said, "I don't like teaching college and being paid like a, you know, a third, you know." Well, it was described as the as the new working poor. If you're an adjunct in college, you're making almost no money, and you're jumping from one school to the next. Now, I love teaching and it, it is a calling and I and I love working with young people, but I started asking around. I did what everybody advises that you do when you want to try something new. You tap into your, your network. And I started reaching out to people in my network and I said, you know about my book. You know that I love to teach. I want something better. What do you advise? 
And I had a conversation with the president, the CEO of an ad agency in Hollywood, um, Dalian Associates. He's long since retired. And he was the one who said, you needed to connect with the ANA. And he gave me a name. And that's how I met someone. I happened to have a workshop assignment in San Francisco. The ANA representative in the West Coast was in San Francisco. And she came and watched me do this workshop and said, Howard knows what he's doing, reported back to her boss in New York. And in January of 2017, I made the decision that at the end of that spring semester, my teaching career at the community college came to an end and I went full-time working for the ANA. Excellent, excellent. So when you start a, a, a workshop, you get a, a group of uh, marketers in the room uh, and, and they're there because they want to learn how to write a brief. What What is that that you promise them? Like, what is it they're going to get out of uh, a workshop with you? And is it a one-day workshop? How, how, how are the workshops uh, work? They unfold in two different ways. They can be half-day workshops, basically four hours, or they can be a full-day workshop. Those are rarer. Most of the, what I do is a half-day, four-hour training. And I have five topics. But my bread and butter is a workshop called What an Inspired Creative Brief Looks Like. So my promise is, there, actually it's R, but I have two promises. One is a creative brief is hard. And you and I have talked about this many times. It's hard to write a creative brief. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it and I wouldn't have anything to do. I can't make the process easy, but I can make it easier. If you follow these principles that I've acquired by either my research uh, my own experience of teaching and in the years that you and I've been you know, doing work, the podcast now, my conversations with you, I can show you shortcuts to make the process easier. The second promise is it's often received with skepticism and I can turn the process of writing a brief into something that's actually fun because the philosophy I take is this is not something you do by yourself. And you, Henry, would be surprised how many marketers take this thing on as a siloed exercise. They do it by themselves with no input. And even you who are territorial about your briefs, justifiably so, do a, a fair amount of collaboration yourself when you take a draft of your brief to your creative director. You never spring a brief onto the creatives uh, for the first time at a kickoff. But it's surprising how many marketers do the same thing. And when they realize the collaboration with fellow marketers or other creatives takes a lot of burden off their shoulders. All of a sudden it becomes a little more fun. Well, I'm going to correct one thing you said. You said that <laughs> it's not, it's not easy to write a brief. I think it's really easy to write a shitty brief. And as okay. your, as your uh, account service colleague who cut and paste will <laughs> attest, it's easy to do that. Um, I think the, people stress about writing a good brief, like the ones that are conscientious, right? right? Stress about writing a good brief. And that is, as we've said, is is not easy. And it requires being conscientious. It requires some heavy lifting in terms of thinking. Um, I think one of the scariest things about a brief, and it's in your book and in your workshops, is being choiceful. When you choose, that means you're excluding certain things. And that can be scary because the client's natural philosophy or tendency is to throw everything into a brief because they don't want to miss anything. 
Right. And really, it's not about capturing everything. It's about capturing the most important thing. And so that's that's a, a challenge. Um, so what's overall, what's your philosophy of the brief? Or is that what you were basically saying? That the... it, it comes down to collaboration. I mean, Bill Birnbach taught creatives a valuable lesson, it pro provided the industry with its golden era by doing something that we look back on today and say, well, duh, why didn't, you know, why did it take so long to figure that? He took an art director and a copywriter and put them together and formed the creative team. So no one works as a silo. We do the same thing now with briefs. It could be, and I say you should have a writing buddy. Or as, for example, when we talked to our friend uh, Matt Ryan at the uh, Universal Resorts in Orlando, they workshop a creative brief. Now, this is a highly trained strategist who understands the intricacies of a brief writing the way you do as a strategist, and yet he understands the value of collaboration. So that's what I, I introduce to the marketing teams that I work with. Don't do this by yourself. So many times I ask the question, so how many of you collaborate? Everybody raises their hand and I say, well, explain your collaboration. Oh, I write a draft of the brief and then I send it out for comments. I said, that's not collaboration. That's an exercise in masochism because then you have to figure out whose comments carry the most weight. And the answer is always the same. The boss's yeah. comments carry the most weight. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're not, you're not talking to the creative department anymore. You're talking to your boss. I just want to close out the episode by encouraging those of you within the sound of our voice, um, if you're struggling with writing briefs, if your organization struggles with writing briefs, um, Call Howard, Howard Eibach. Uh, you know, the uh, website is creativebriefworkshops.com and reach out to Howard. I'm sure that a deal can be arranged. And uh, <laughs> I, I would say it's a bargain at twice the price. Thank you, Henry. Yeah, I do virtual and in person. So we can, we can make something work one-on-one -on -one, as well as groups. Gotcha. And I would encourage people and i know that virtual is a cost saver um i would encourage people to do the one on i mean to do in person just because there's something that gets lost still today in you know in this virtual thing like people aren't necessarily paying attention there's other things going on there's when you're in person you're there you're concentrating on that one task i, I would en encourage that but creativebriefworkshops.com good stuff howard Good stuff, Henry. He's Howard Eibach. And he's Henry Gomez. And together, we're the Brief Brothers. Till next time. Bye-bye.